Your watch says it's 6.30 p.m. and time to leave the office. You still have three unfinished reports and one research to do. Nah, you'll do it all tomorrow. So you drive home and don't make a detour to the gym like you planned in the morning. Nah, you'll do it tomorrow. You get home, take the spinach out of the fridge, and put it back on the upper shelf. Frozen burger goes into the microwave. Yum. Yeah, you can start eating healthy on Monday. Now you remember you wanted to start an online drawing class tonight. But that would mean taking out the brushes and watercolors and setting up the easel. Yeah, that can wait. Then you grab the remote control that's always comfortably by your side and turn on the TV. Hmm, some weird show is on. The host says your life is about to change for good. You can become the most productive person in the world in just one click. You feel skeptical about stuff like that. You didn't even believe a robot vacuum was real. So you decide to go to bed. Time to switch that TV off. Oops, your finger slipped and you push that change your life for good button. The next morning, you wake up with a sudden urge to go to work ASAP. As soon as you get there, you make some big changes. You disable all of your social media app notifications and relocate their icons to one folder at the furthest tab on your phone. It took you around 20 seconds. Then you delete your personal email from bookmarks on your laptop. All of the fun and time-eating websites also leave your bookmarks for good. That was about 20 seconds as well. Ooh, you feel excited to work like never before. One of your colleagues notices those changes and asks if you finally decided to follow the 20-second rule. She explains laziness is in the human nature. Your brain has some default settings, just like your phone. One of them is to follow the path of least resistance. The good news is you can retrain your brain and change those default settings to new ones. In most cases, it just takes 20 seconds. Your task is to create as many obstacles as you can on the way to things that stop you from being productive. If you have to log into your personal account and type the password each time, you won't do it every minute to see what's new. When you get rid of junk food at home, you'll have to drive to the store to buy it. After a couple of rides, you won't feel that excited about it anymore. When your remote is in the drawer at the opposite side of the room and the batteries are in the kitchen, you won't want to get up and do all the walking to watch some TV. For the productive things, the most difficult part is usually the first step. The more activation energy you need to start something, the less likely you are to do it. So, you have to make it easier for yourself to be productive than to procrastinate. When you reorganize your home screen and make your work files and folders just one click away, you're more likely to make that click. If you stock up on healthy food and have no junk alternative at home, you'll eat healthy. You can cook some meals during the weekend and just heat them up when you need them. If you take out the brushes and watercolors and set up the easel once, you'll start using them. The remote that used to stop you from it is now far away. In some cases, it might take longer than 20 seconds, but all the time you spend using this method wins you back hours of productivity. Every time you do things differently, your brain is making this new behavior more and more automatic. You can think of a new checklist of 20-second rules every day before bed. Suddenly, you feel like you just have to talk to the folks at the marketing department. They're the hardest workers at your office, those go-getters that live at work. You check it online and find out there's another habit of motivated people. 
they hang out with others that are just as driven. That drive and spirit is contagious. When you surround yourself with people who have higher standards than you, you raise your expectations for yourself and never stop growing. As you keep upgrading your skills, your productivity grows too. It's like updating the software on your laptop. The better it is, the more productive it gets. You'll be able to do the same tasks better and in less time. You notice plenty of potted plants and some green paintings at each desk at the marketing department. They explain the color green activates creativity and motivation areas in your brain. That's why they add green filters to the videos they watch for work and often go for lunch outside to see even more green. Hey, it's lunchtime! Like all the motivated people, you eat plenty of tuna. It's packed with vitamins B6 and makes you feel happier. It also prevents you from inattention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity. None of those help being productive. Eggplant goes well with your main course. It has a component that keeps your brain cells active, so that you can always be on point. Spinach and other green leafy vegetables help you learn faster. That's why it's on your plate, too. You have Greek yogurt with blueberries and pecans for dessert. This cocktail of nutrients helps you stay focused, happy, and work harder. A cup of green tea is a perfect way to top it all. The catechins in it help you mentally chill out, boost focus, and improve memory. You get back to your desk and start reorganizing it. You color code all your reports and folders and arrange them in a magazine organizer. Pens and stationery also end up in a holder. When you don't have to worry about losing and finding things, all that saved energy goes into work. Finally, you get rid of all that clutter on your desk. It's a big distraction and productivity eater. You sit down and listen to your procrastination power song in your headphones. Music affects your brain and triggers physical reactions. Some components in it, like a heavy bass or an intense guitar solo, make you feel more engaged and give you the sense of power. You still have many tasks for the day. You decide to time box them, like all productive people do. Deadlines are the best motivators. Even if you don't have one given to you by your boss, you can make it up yourself. You create a time slot for each task you have to do and write it down in a table. You give yourselves three hours for the report and won't do any other tasks during that time. This is challenging, but an achievable deadline. Meeting them one by one is super satisfying. Work for the day is done. You head to your favorite restaurant to meet up with friends. The first thing they notice about you is your new high-power pose. They know the way you hold your body can change the way you are. When you have your chest out, your arms spread, and don't slouch, it looks like you're trying to take up more space. Even if you hold it for just two minutes, it boosts your confidence hormones. So you're sick and tired of forgetting your friend's birthdays and spending hours memorizing two lines for a work presentation. Well then, get some chopsticks ready. Or better yet, ask Elon Musk for advice on how to improve your memory. What? You don't have his phone number? No worries, we did it for you. Back in 2001, Elon Musk phoned mechanical engineer Jim Cantrell, who used to work for the French space agency. Musk wanted to know if it could be possible to send a spaceship to Mars. He was willing to build his rockets, so he borrowed some books on the topic from Cantrell. In no time, he was ready to return the books and discuss rockets, physics, and astrodynamics with the scientist. Cantrell was surprised. Want to become a rocket scientist from scratch too? Well then, listen up. 
As we can sum up from his interviews, Elon Musk has two basic learning rules. First, you gotta make sure you're building your own tree of knowledge. If you want to go beyond your limits of learning, start with a trunk and big branches, and only then get into the leaves. And by now, you might be wondering, what on earth is he talking about? Well, let's say you're learning a new language. Instead of remembering individual words, you should start with some general rules. When you understand and memorize those, you build a strong trunk for your knowledge. It works for anything you're trying to learn, from physics to TikTok trends. The second rule is that you can't remember what you can't connect. Elon Musk never learns anything at random. He connects every new piece of information to some deeper, more solid base he already has. So instead of collecting tidbits of knowledge and throwing them into a fire that will eventually burn out, you have to discover ways to connect the leaves and branches of your knowledge trees and let them bloom. To help your trees grow, you gotta surround yourself with people who are the best in their field. Can't invite the world's brightest minds for a barbecue in your backyard? Well, at least make them virtually present in your life. Watch their interviews, listen to podcasts, and read, read, read as much as you can. Musk recommends books about other geniuses and reading as much as you can in general. When he was nine years old, he devoted himself to reading the complete Encyclopedia Britannica's and then moved on to science fiction books for around 10 hours daily. If reading is not your idea of fun, can I interest you in clenching your fists and other unconventional ways of pumping up your brain power? 99% of the world population has a dominant hand. What's yours, by the way? Yeah, I mean the one you use to write, make food, paint, etc. Try to switch to your other hand now and then to strengthen neural connections in your brain. That will make your mind and memory sharper. Use your opposite hand while brushing your teeth, cleaning, or washing the dishes. It might seem hard the first time you do it, but it'll give your brain the perfect kind of stimulation by adjusting. Just keep practicing this exercise regularly. And oh, don't do it while you're driving your car. Zumba, salsa, jazz dance, hip-hop, dance your heart out as often as possible. Enroll in dance classes or watch an online video with some dance moves you've already thought looked cool when others were doing it. When you learn new dance moves, you boost your memorizing skills and processing speed. Try using all your senses in everyday life. Visit a farmer's market, travel, garden, bake a batch of cookies, take notes at a meeting, or try a new restaurant. Whatever you do, focus on touching, tasting, smelling, hearing, and seeing things all at the same time. The more senses you use, even for something you do every day, the more brain power will involve in keeping that memory. Spice up your daily life. Take a new route to work, put your calendar on the other side of the table, or try a new type of coffee. Pay attention to details you usually ignore. Can you tell how many plates you have in your kitchen cabinet right now? Count them or the number of stairs you take every day. Also, try taking a shower with your eyes closed. Doing things using the sense of touch will signal your brain about them and give it a good workout. Still waiting for the fist-clenching part, aren't you? In 2013, psychologists from Montclair State University experimented. They concluded that clenching the right hand for 90 seconds helps in memory formation. If you do the same with your left hand, it can improve your memory recall. They asked 50 adults to remember words from a long list. Those who clenched their fist could recall more words, believe it or not. 
The researchers believe that clenching a fist triggers specific brain regions responsible for memory processing. Can you remember the name of that girl someone introduced you to at their birthday party? Or that nice mechanic who helped you fix your car? You'll probably recall their face, but the name is a different story because it doesn't tell you that much about them. If you want to give your brain another dose of a workout and make an effort to remember that data, just say it out loud. Repeat all the things you've just thought, read, or heard out loud. It will strengthen your memory. Read aloud. Go back to those things through longer periods of time, every few hours, every day. That's how you master complicated data and skills. Build your own memory palace. Put the memorabilia back. I'm talking about another memory technique here. Choose a place that you know really well. Your hometown, school, or maybe your closet. It's ideal to choose the one that is large and has many details. Let's say your house. Now think of a route that goes through that place. You enter through the front door. What do you see next? Your kitchen? Okay! Now choose the location where you'll store the information you want to memorize. Each spot has to be unique. It can be a separate room or an object in that room. Now, grab a piece of paper and draw your palace in every detail. Once you're done, close your eyes and visualize the image. Open your eyes and compare the image in your mind with what you have on paper. Keep practicing until they match perfectly. Divide the information you want to memorize into chunks and spread it throughout your palace. If you're trying to remember a speech by heart, locate the first phrase on the doormat and further, line by line, around the house. Make up your coding system. Use more than words and numbers. A swan can replace a number two. And a marching orchestra can stand for march. The first thing that can tell something about a person is the way they walk. Those who walk fast and confidently hold their head up. They're focused and great problem solvers. If they walk with their head held high, having shoulders back and chest forward, then they're sociable. These people like spending time with others and enjoy the appreciation. They're also easily bored and like the challenge. If a person walks with an average pace and looks relaxed, then they're, well, relaxed. They're calm and tend to focus more on others rather than on themselves. They're also easily influenced. Those who walk with a medium pace but in confident strides are very cooperative and good listeners. They're loyal and a bit dependent on others. Those who walk slowly and keep their head lowered are likely to be introverted and shy. If they cross their arms, then they're probably vulnerable and like to be alone. So here's a trick. If you want to appear confident when you walk in somewhere, especially if it's an important business meeting, always check your body language. To always remember making sure of that, you can use a doorway technique. Use something, for example, a doorway as an anchor. Whenever you walk through a doorway, teach yourself to check your body language. Pay attention if you're walking straight, if you're keeping your head up, or other minor details. Do it every time you walk through any doorway. Later, the doorway will become a natural trigger for you, and you'll automatically correct your posture every time you walk through it. Okay, back to the clues. Pay attention to the way the person is dressed. You probably don't wear something that's not your style or vibe, and neither do other people. People who dress casually are easygoing, value comfort, and prefer to be themselves, not feeling the need to impress anyone. People who wear clothes with colorful patterns are creative and like to express themselves through what they wear. Those who wear designer clothes displaying the logos like to show off and show their status. 
People who wear their working clothes are workaholics, who value themselves mostly through their job and achievements at work. Those who have official style and wear formal clothes are sophisticated and assertive. People who wear sports clothes are confident. Those who wear neutral colors are closed and don't like to draw attention to themselves, preferring to stay in shade. Even the choice of shoes can tell you something. In one study, people were shown photos of people's boots, and they had to describe the personality of the person to whom the pair of footwear belonged to. Surprisingly, the descriptions were pretty accurate. So, people who wear comfortable shoes are agreeable. People whose shoes are new or just in perfect condition are clingy and anxious. Ankle boots lovers are pushy. If a person has a bag, pay attention to how they carry it. If it's in front of their body, kept close, then they're a cautious and shy person. Now, let's turn to the handshake. It's not just a social ritual, but also a way to get the first impression about the person. A dominant handshake is when the person flips their hand over yours with their palm facing down. This is a dominant person trying to show who's the boss here. They like to take control over others, don't like to take anyone's opinion into account, and might even be a bit pushy sometimes. A submissive handshake is the opposite position, where the person's palm is facing up and their hand is covered by yours. This means the person isn't confident, and you can easily dominate them if you wish. Another one is a floppy handshake, where the person doesn't really give your hand a shake. It's one-sided, and it appears like it's just you who give them one. This handshake means weakness and indifference. There's also a double-hand handshake. It's when a person uses both their hands, usually placing the second hand on the back of the other person's hand. This type says the person accepts the other person's dominance, but invites them for discussion. It's typical for honest and open people who like to talk things through and have a conversation. However, if the second hand is placed not on the back of the opponent's hand, but on top of it, it's a way of self-defense and reveals the lack of trust. Another way to use the second hand is to touch the opponent. So these people give you a handshake, but also touch your back, forearm, or anything else with their free hand. This displays that the person needs company and lacks communications in their life. Now, we're off to eye contact. While speaking to the person, pay attention to their eyes. People who keep eye contact are open. They're interested in what you're saying and are paying attention to you. Those who constantly break it are rather nervous and uncomfortable. Or they're just shy. Shy people can't keep eye contact for long because they consider it invasive. If the person blinks a lot, it means they're distressed. And if their eyes are squinted, they're suspicious of you and don't trust you much. Pay attention to how the person treats people who work in service, like restaurant and hotel staff, retail and food service. Service staff have to be nice to the customer, but the customer doesn't have to return the attitude. In this case, the customer is in the position of power. So pay attention how they behave when they have that power. Do they choose to be nice? Or do they prefer to treat people poorly when they don't have the obligation to be good guys? Power reveals people's true personality. If a person appears to be nice with you, but they're rude with a waiter in a restaurant, they're not a person to be trusted. Overall, how polite the person is is also a good indicator of their identity. Yes, if a person knows and uses words like please and thank you, then they must be a good person who is considerate and empathetic and respects other people. And, well, if they're rude to others, especially to those who have a lower social status, then they're overprivileged and, well, simply rude.
Interestingly, the way animals react to a person can also tell a lot about their personality. Animals don't judge anyone by their looks, their way of thinking, or education. So, they're way harder to mess up than with people. Animals draw their opinions based on people's vibe, body language, and facial expressions, which are way harder to control. Some believe that animals just have some sixth sense, and they can smell if a person is good or not. So if animals like someone, then it must be a nice person. That's it for today. So hey, if you pacified your curiosity, then give the video a like and share it with your friends. Or if you want more, just click on these videos and stay on the bright side.